This is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Good morning and happy birthday, Bitcoin. It's uh, October 31st in the United States. That means it's Halloween. It is about 9.30 in the morning. And I'm going to, there's a, a little bit of a, of a discussion going on in the community about when Bitcoin's actual birthday is. And I guess it's one of those things where you just got to kind of pick one and go with it. I'm going to pick the release of the white paper. I mean, technically, I should probably pick the day that the uh, uh, first Bitcoin was actually minted. But it's just more fun having it on Halloween because... Eh, you know, it's one of those things where hopefully it scares the bejesus out of the central bankers. <clears throat> With that said, let's get into uh, the morning roundup. And uh, obviously, Bitcoin's price is struggling. We've got it nailed at an average of 6307 Looks like the high is going to be cracking at 6200 Or I'm sorry, uh, Bitfinex at uh, 6321 and cracking no bitstamp is low at 6250 active addresses over the last 24 hours is 569000 the last transactions over the last 24 hours is 278000 with an average transaction per hour of 11500 931 BTC has been sent in the last 24 hours uh, average per hour is 38,805 BTC with an average transaction value of 3.35 BTC and a median transaction value of 0.035 BTC or about $218 US. Block time is low at 9 minutes and 4 seconds with 159 blocks being produced over the last 24 hours and an average block per hour of 7. Reward per block at 12.5 BTC plus 0.1112 BTC in fees. Rewards over the last 24 hours, about 2,000 Bitcoin have been minted and 17.68 BTC have been collected in fees. The hash rate has increased over the last 24 hours by 6% to 54 exahashes per second. The uh, GitHub last commit on uh, Bitcoin was a couple of days ago, October the 29th. Across the board, Ethereum for the third day seems to be under 200 at 195. Bcash is at 418. Litecoin is at 49. Ethereum Classic is 8.98 USD. Bitcoin Gold is 26.27 USD. And Dogecoin is holding at 0.0038. Uh, act, there's been a lot of activity on, on some of these other chains insofar as the active addresses over the last 24 hours. Uh, Dogecoin doubled to 44,000. Um, 
Yeah, out of 44,000 active addresses, uh, Bitcoin Gold went up to uh, about 5,000. Uh, Litecoin is at 65,000. Bcash is at 26,000. Uh, transactions over the last uh, 24 hours, Bcash has 17,000 and Dogecoin is stomping it at 24,000. Ethereum Classic is at 45,000. Litecoin is at 23,000. Um, and that will do it. Yeah, I think that'll do it for the vitals, except for the, my last thing that I will say about this is Bcash's last GitHub commit September is still September 29th, 2018. So, um, yeah, they haven't done anything to that. Th- they haven't done anything there for um, uh, a while. All right, moving on to the morning roundup. Morning Roundup is brought to you by coffee. Lots and lots of coffee. Let's start out with uh, a tweet from Vortex at the one Vortex. A time to reflect on the past 10 years of Bitcoin. I'd like to share what Bitcoin has given to me. One, a mission. Two, lifelong friends. Three, opportunity to help others and spread the light. Four, knowledge of economics, history, finance, and game theory. Five, an exit from fiat. Six, hope and I concur Vortex those are uh, nice sentiments on on uh, the birthday of, of Bitcoin so next up in my stack is that it appears that Medium has taken down um, uh, get on uh, get on Gab's uh, Medium page it's re- uh, returning a 404 error for uh, medium.com forward slash at get on Gab um, I didn't need, as far as I know, there was no warning. Uh, get on, uh, uh, Andrew didn't say anything about it. Um, it looks like Medium just uh, uh, toasted their page. So uh, the onslaught continues for for uh, the people at Gab. And like I said, I'm, even if they come back somehow, I'm I'm not sure if if they're going to survive all this. Um, we're seeing some pretty heavy heavy-handed censorship across the board. Um, you know, like I said, I don't really jibe with some of the stuff that I've seen on Gab, but then on other stuff on Gab is completely innocuous. I mean, and I've seen some pretty horrendous crap on on Twitter um, and Facebook, and that doesn't seem to be, you know, get taken down. So it's just, um, just another reason to uh, understand that decentralization is, is critical going forward. So next up in my stack is a a small tweet storm from uh, Coinsurance. I guess it's pronounced Coinsurance, but it's uh, at C-O-I-N-S-U-R-E-N-Z on Twitter. And it is uh, a nice look at um, (coughs) using the Samurai Wallet um, and the Gotenna TX Tenna system. So we'll just go ahead and read this. Um, <clears throat> Coinsure says, These past two weekends, I explored some of the possibilities of using TX Tenna, GoTenna, and Samurai Wallet for censorship resistance. Here's a thread on my findings. <clears throat> two, the two hostile environments I wanted to test, could TX Tenna be a solution in a prison or similar situation where communication is denied? 
And could it be a useful tool for IP obfuscation, bypassing ISPs or cell network providers denying access to the Bitcoin network? Three, first, using TX10 as a tool for bypassing hostile providers. Potential use cases, avoiding tying your identity to Bitcoin use or a particular address, denying attempts for chain analysis to link transactions to IP addresses. Three, Oh, wait. Yeah. Three. My hypothetical scenario for this experiment. You are a Bitcoin user who wants to send a transaction and avoid linking IP, MAC addresses, or other identifiers identifiers that might connect it to a location or device. This could be achieved by creating a covert stationary relay point. For my first experience experiment, I used an office space that I have access to and know the Wi-Fi password for. My other equipment was two uh, $40 Android smartphones and two GoTennas. One phone runs the TX10 app and is connected to the building's Wi-Fi network in a GoTenna mesh. In the hypothetical scenario, they are then concealed somewhat on the building without the knowledge of the occupants. This, in effect, provides an open Wi-Fi access point for Bitcoin transactions to anyone with a GoTenna. A TX10 user who wishes to conceal their identity can then broadcast from potentially kilometers away, much greater distance, and an extra degree of anonymity than via open Wi-Fi. I tested several transactions from around 500 meters away and had no issues, despite being behind several walls or being concealed inside them. Longer distances may have been possible, but I did not try from further out. GoTenna gives the range in dense urban environments as 0.8 of a kilometer. For the second scenario, I concealed the phone and GoTenna inside a sock and Ziploc bag. I then hid it in a bush within Wi-Fi range of a cafe whose Wi-Fi I had the password for. Initially, I had problems getting results over 200 meter distance here. I tried placing it in the tree and was able to get much better range. Seems that elevation helps with reception to some extent, or there were there was more interference at ground level. Successful transaction sent from a street uh, side street 900 meters away. These setups are not meant to be a demonstration of ideal of ideal field craft, and I'm sure there are counterpoints to its anonymity advantages. My hope here is just to show how it could be used where internet access was possible but linking your devices or addresses to bitcoin was an issue next i wanted to see if tx10 was able to be used in a prison type environment where the where an alternative broadcast method like gotenna might be useful as i am no longer able to get access to an actual cell block used to run one i went to a series of disused military tunnels at North Head for an approximation. These are underground and I'm able to put around six concrete walls at around 30 meters from the outside world in the way. I traveled inside until I found a spot deep enough to block cell phone reception and then tried two transactions to my girlfriend on the outside. The first around 30 meters from the entrance and the second at the bottom of the mountain 200 miles away or 200 meters away, both successful. I didn't try further out, but it seems that layers of concrete and conditions untenable to cell networks are still okay for transmissions of a few hundred meters at least. Issues to be aware of. One, one of the phones would not relay transactions while in sleep mode or screen locked. 
Speaking to the samurai guys, this tied to how background processes are handled by different Android versions. Lollipop seemed to work, Marshmallow didn't. Two, transactions are currently all routed through Samurai's TX Tennis server. You can set up your own full node to be another access point by implementing this GitHub repo. More publicly available gateways would greatly help. Please join me in setting one up. And then he gives a link to uh, Mule, Tools, <coughs> Mule Tools forward slash TX Tenna uh, at uh, github.com. So really interesting. This is the second second uh, thing that I've read about uh, Bitcoin transmission or transactions being sent <coughs> via the uh, GoTenna using the TX Tenna uh, uh, software with the samurai wallet and man is every time i read one of these things i just get more and more and more excited about it especially when i uh, think about it in conjunction with the last thing in my stack for the morning uh this is a tweet from david buchanan at david three one four one five nine three and he starts this is another small th- this is actually a smaller thread assuming this all works out the image in this tweet is also a valid zip archive containing a multi-part rar archive containing the complete works of shakespeare this technique also survives twitter's thumbnailer and then he's got um, a picture there's a, a picture in the tweet of shakespeare and written over it says unzip me Second down, I tried <clears throat> reporting this technique to Twitter's bug bounty program, but it's hashtag not a bug. Fair enough, but that just means we can have some fun with it. And then he goes on um, to sort of give a few um, a few details, and um, yeah, and, and that pretty much ends it. He 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 kind of ends it off with uh, uh, his source code. Uh, but um, so just just for you know shits and giggles, I tried it out and uh, saved the saved the picture uh, just by right you know hitting it, right clicking it, save picture as, and just saved it to some file, and then I changed .jpg to .zip, and sure enough, it was recognized by my seven zip as a valid uh, archive that could be unzipped. So I unzipped it. And it came down, it broke apart into 31 separate RAR files of about 63, I want to say it was like 63 megabytes or kilobytes a piece, uh, I think it was kilobytes a piece. And the, where my experiment broke down is that 7-Zip was unable to unrar those 31 RAR files. But other people are, are in this thread are saying that it worked it, it worked for them. Don't know why it didn't work for me, but at least I was able to um, experiment with it and, and indeed turn it into uh, 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 a recognizable archive. And that archive was unsuccessfully unzipped. It only came down to a failure on the RAR. <coughs> so a couple of a couple of things about that. If we're able to send, oh, in, in in that thread before I before I go on, in that thread there's a couple of people who state, yeah, well, that's going to work just fine until Twitter compresses the hell out of it. Well, the whole thing is is that if the if the if that process can survive the thumbnailer of Twitter, that's as as that's as much as it, Twitter's ever going to do with it. So he was able to successfully, at least as, as I'm going to be have to be a little trusting here because I was unable, unable to unrar the the rar files, but he successfully transmitted with a picture, 
through Twitter, the entire complete works of William Shakespeare, which if you know anything about the complete works of William Shakespeare is huge. It's a, a lot. Okay. So what happens when we start thinking about sending Bitcoin transactions as thumbnail gifts or JPEGs across to go mesh to, I mean, it, it, it becomes, it becomes almost not even at this point a cat and mouse game with the powers that would want to, to squash this type of thing. Because if I'm able to send a picture with the complete works of Shakespeare over freaking radio frequency, then how on earth does anybody in their right mind think that they're going to be able to stop me sending a picture that has an embedded transaction that I wrote on a cold card wallet and and sent to somebody I don't know in a country that's been embargoed by every decent country on the face of the planet to some poor guy that I know that you know needs some money and boom he just like unzips unzips the the thing and the, the transact the transaction is now his and he I it it kind of boggles the mind when we start talking about how these again edge effect the edges of, of this guy, you know, having a, a, a picture of Shakespeare that turns into all of Shakespeare's works, you know, right next to a story about a guy who's deep inside of a mountain and ascending Bitcoin transactions over radio through, you know, a couple of $40 phones and a couple of, you know, go tennas with the TX Tenna uh, software running. I mean, how cool is that? <coughs> and it's just going to get better. So anyway, that's going to do it for the morning roundup. I hope you uh, uh, go look at David Buchanan and the uh, CoinSure tweets. They'll be in my uh, curated time, uh, curated Twitter timeline. Go look at those and, and, and definitely look at the comments that are being written into them because there's I'm not the only one that's excited. So that's going to do it for the morning roundup. The good people at Bitcoin Optech have released uh, a Bitcoin Optech newsletter, number 19, yesterday, October 30th of 2018. This week's newsletter suggests an update for C Lightning users, describes a discussion about BIP69 deterministic input output ordering on the mailing list, notes public overt ASIC boost support is available for miners using Antminer S9 and provides links to resources about both Square's open source Sub-Zero HSM-based multi-sig cold storage solution and the recent Lightning Network residency and hack day in New York City. Also included are select recent Q&A from Bitcoin Stack Exchange and description of notable code changes in popular Bitcoin infrastructure projects. Action items. Update to see Lightning 0.6.2. Fixes a bug where the node would send an excessive number of update announcements to its peers about dead channels. News. BIP69 discussion. This BIP from 2015, adopted by several notable wallets, specifies an optional method for deterministically ordering inputs and outputs within a transaction based on the public content of the transaction. However, other wallets have not adopted it or even rejected it as unsuitable for adoption. 
leading perhaps to a worst of both worlds situation where wallets using BIP69 can fairly easily be identified and so wallets not using BIP69 may also be easier to identify by negation. In this thread, link given, to the Bitcoin dev mailing list, Ryan Havar suggests that one reason wallet authors like BIP69 <clears throat> is that its deterministic ordering, ordering makes it easy and fast for their test to ensure that they haven't leaked any information about the source of their inputs or the destination of their outputs, e.g. in some old wallets, the first output always went to the recipient and the second output was always changed, making coin tracking trivial. Havar then suggests an alternative deterministic ordering based on private information that would be available to the test suite but not exposed to by production wallets, allowing developers who want to thwart blockchain analysis, <clears throat> but also have simple and fast tests to migrate away from BIP69. Uh, overt ASIC boost support for S9 miners. Support for this efficiency-improving feature was announced by both Bitmain and Brains this week. ASIC Boost takes advantage of the fact that the SHA-256 algorithm used in Bitcoin mining first splits the 80-byte block header into 64-byte chunks. If a miner can find multiple proposed block headers where the first chunk of 64 bytes are different but start, but start of the next chunk of 64 bytes are the same, then they can try different combinations of the first chunk and second chunk to reduce the total number of hashing operations they need to carry out to find a valid block. Early estimates indicate an improvement of 10% or perhaps more on existing Ant Miner S9 hardware. The overt form of ASIC boost alters the version bits field in the block header, which can cause pro programs such as Bitcoin Core to display a warning such as 13 of last 100 blocks have unexpected version. Some ASIC boost miners have voluntarily restricted their altered version bits range to that defined by BIP320, giving future programs the option to ignore those bits for upgrade signaling. Open-sourced HSM-based multi-sig cold storage solution. Square has released code and documentation for the cold storage solution they've implemented to protect customer deposits, as well as a CLI, CLI tool for auditing HD wallet balances at arbitrary points in time. Optech has not evaluated their solution, but we can recommend interested parties read Square's excellent blog post, link given, and visit the repositories for the Sub-Zero cold storage solution and bean counter auditing tool. Lightning Residency and Hack Day. Last week, Chaincode Labs hosted a five-day Lightning Network Residency program to help onboard developers to the fledgling protocol. Following this, Fulmo organized their fourth Lightning Network Hack Day, actually two days, also in New York City with a few speeches, many demos, and lots of hacking. Pierre Rashad has written summaries of all the presentations given at the residency program and links are given to day one day two day three day four and videos of the presentations are expected to be posted soon videos of the hack day are available now links given day one day two selected q a from bitcoin stack exchange bitcoin stack exchange is one of the first places optech contributors look for answers to their questions or when we have a few spare moments of time to help answer other people's questions. In this monthly feature, we highlight some of the top voted questions and answers made since our last update. Does pruning, oh, sorry. Does using pruning make initial node sync faster? 
pruning blocks after they've been processed can reduce disk space requirements by over 97% at present, but they do but do they also speed up sync? Bitcoin core developer Gregory Gregory Maxwell answers. Can somebody st- all the all these links are here in the in the um, newsletter. Can someone steal from you by closing their Lightning Network payment channel in a certain way? Several different ways to close a Lightning Network payment channel are described, and C Lightning developer Christian Decker explains how a program following the LN protocol will protect your money in each case. How much energy does it take to create one block? God. Nate Eldridge provides a simple formula and set of links to data that anyone can use to estimate the average amount of energy it would take to generate a block at the current difficulty level. For the present difficulty using only Antminer S9s without ASIC boost, an average block consumes 841,629 kilowatt hours. At a common estimate of 0.04 dollars per kilowatt hours this is about $34,000 worth of electricity well below the current block subsidy of about $80,000 but using AJ Town's recent estimate of $0.16 dollars per kilowatt hour that includes costs beyond electricity and attempts to factor in risk premiums the estimated block cost is about $135,000 notable merges Bitcoin Core number 14451 allows optionally building Bitcoin QT without support for the BIP70 payment protocol and adds a depreciation warning indicating the default support may be removed in a future release. The CEO of BitPay, which is the largest user of BIP70, but which wants to use different version of the protocol, indicated that they supported Bitcoin Core removing BIP70. <coughs> Developers seem to be in favor of removing the protocol for security reasons and because it's seeing, seeing declining use. The BIP70 dependency on OpenSSL resulted in the emergency release of Bitcoin Core 0.9.1 in 2014 as a result of the Heartbleed vulnerability. And it is, ex- it is expected that removing it will eliminate the risk of future similar vulnerabilities. Bitcoin Core number 14296 removes the deprecated add witness address RPC. The RPC was added in version 0.13.0 to enable testing SegWit on RegTest and TestNet before it was activated on mainnet and built into the wallet. Since version 0.16.0, Bitcoin Core's wallet has supported getting addresses directly using the regular get new address mechanism. Bitcoin Core number 14468 deprecates the generate RPC. This method generates new blocks in reg test mode, but it requires getting new addresses from Bitcoin Core's built-in wallet in order to pay them the mining block reward. A replacement method, generate to address, was introduced in version 0.13.0, which allows any reg test wallet to generate an address that will be paid the block reward. This is part of an ongoing effort to allow as many RPCs as possible to function without the wallet in order to improve test coverage of non-wallet nodes as well as to ease a future possible transition to fully separating the wallet from the node. Bitcoin Core number 14150 adds key origin support to output script descriptors. Besides allowing you to pass an additional argument 
to the Scan TX Outset RPC. This doesn't currently add any features to Bitcoin Core, but it will enable using Key Origin with BIP174 PSBTs and watch-only wallets when those parts of the software have been updated to use descriptors. <coughs> See newsletters number 5, 7, 9, 12, and 17 for previous discussions of output script descriptors. Key origin support makes it possible to use extended pub keys that have been exported from an HD wallet that uses BIP32 hardened derivation for protecting ancestor private keys, which helps make output script descriptors compatible with most hardware wallets. LND number 1981 ensures that LND doesn't leak information about any of its peers that aren't advertising themselves as public nodes. LNDs 1535 and 1512 adds the server-side communication protocol for watchtowers along with many tests verifying its proper operation. Correct use of the LN protocol requires regular monitoring of which transactions get added to the blockchain so watchtowers are servers designed to help defend the payment channels of users who expect to be offline for an extended period of time. As such, Watchtowers are considered to be a key feature for enabling wider adoption of Lightning Network by less advanced users. However, a standard specification for watchtowers has not been agreed upon by the multiple implementations of Lightning Network, so LND is only putting this feature out for initial testing and is restricting its use to testnet. So that will do it for Bitcoin Optech, and we want to thank the uh, guys from Bitcoin Optech for uh, compiling all this stuff together for the more technical, technically minded of, of you guys out there. So let's move on to uh, something else. Terrible Joke Corner is brought to you by Yet More Coffee. I'm reading a book about anti-gravity. It's impossible to put down. Yeah. Yeah. Good, bad jokes should be short, tight. Short, tight, bad jokes. Some of my favorites. So the Daily Trainwreck is brought to you by somebody who is walking around the streets of a city getting people to uh, divulge their passwords on for internet sites. It's an amazing watch. It's in my it's in my feed um, somewhere. Make sure that I can find it in here. Um, no, it's not. It's actually not my feed. I'll see if I can't find it again and drop it in my feed. But this is a must watch. This is a multiple daily train wrecks all at once because people just have absolutely no sense of OPSEC. We're talking about cybersecurity today and how safe people's passwords are. What is one of your online passwords currently? It is my dog's name and the year I graduated from high school. Oh, what kind of dog do you have? I have a Chihuahua Papillon. And what's its name? Jameson. Jameson. And where'd you go to school? Um, I went to school back in Greensburg, Pennsylvania. What school? Uh, Hempfield Area Senior High School. Oh, when did you graduate? In 2009. It's like my cat's 
last name and then just like a random number. Okay. Has you had this cat for a while? Yeah, she's my childhood pet. Aw. And what's her name? Her name is Jolie. Jolie. Mm-hmm. So like a password of yours would be Jolie and then a number. Yeah. Like number one? Uh, like my birthday. Oh, when is your birthday? Uh, June 12th. Oh, nice. And what year were you born? Uh, 95. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. So Jolie, six... 12, 95. Yes. Got it. Ireland, one, two, three, four. Gemma, one, two, three. Like, what's a good Italian password? Uh, my grandma's name. What's your grandma's uh, name? Uh, Maria. Maria. So Maria is your password? Oh, yeah. Now you know my password. So you mean to give my password right now? No, I cannot do that. But we all want to know what it is so we can tell you if it's strong or not. Oh, my goodness. Um, um, let me think. Okay, one is Tel Aviv. Yeah. Four, six, eight. And then Israel. It's, it's only three, but it's, you know, it's, uh, for me, it's strong enough. How about that? I mean, seriously, folks, how about that? This woman was able to extract um, with just a few questions exactly what passwords were. Um, and uh, albeit, you know, I, I do feel sorry for, you know, these people that, that allowed this type of thing to occur to them. What we might want to consider is that this is actually happening to all of us no matter how good we think our OPSEC is, our operational security. Um, Because what this woman was able to do in like, let's say 15 seconds to uh, a couple of these people is being done to us over a time, uh, a a much, much expanded amount of time. Instead of 15 seconds, think five days. Think about your activities in five days, things you say, tweets we make, um, you know, how much, I mean, how much leakage do we really have when you think about it, just walking around and how much energy would you actually have to put into stopping all those leakages, especially if you're a full blown adult and you're not trained as a child in OPSEC. And I mean, come on, who's, am I really, I mean, I, I should, but what is it? What does a conversation with a nine year old girl look like when I'm telling her, about operational security and, and pass, you know, making sure your passwords are, are, are not out in the open. Um, we, we, the, when I started to think of, of what I just heard in terms of instead of 15 seconds extraction, more like 15 days of extraction or even 15 years of extraction, man, we are some leaky sons of bitches.
Okay, that's going to do it for me on the birthday of uh, Bitcoin and the Bitcoin white paper. I hope you guys have a wonderful day. Um, if you're in the States or in the uh, any place that does, uh, pract- you know, not practices Halloween, but celebrates Halloween or enjoys Halloween, you know, taking your kids out to go trick-or-treating and stuff like that, you know, be safe. Watch kids. Make sure they go, you know, go around in groups. Don't let them go out by themselves. We just don't live in in that world. Plus, it's all it's. It, who wants to go trick or treating by themselves? I mean, think back to when you were like ten. Would you really want to go trick or treating by yourself? Anyway, so um, keep your kids safe. Enjoy Halloween. Enjoy the birthday of Bitcoin. This is the ten year anniversary. Um, ten years is a long time. Uh, most people weren't going to give it. 10 months so you know you think about that anyway y'all go out love each other you can reach me at uh, at b-e-n-n-d-7-7 and from there you can launch into whatever miscreant deeds that I'm I'm currently up to for that day Uh, you'll be able to find my curated Twitter timeline in the show notes and any other relevant information and again I will try to get that uh uh, that video of the daily train wreck uh, uh, loaded into one of my tweets for or or one of that tweet that I found loaded into my timeline so that you can see it directly if you haven't already. So anyway, y'all have a wonderful day and we'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been Bitcoin and and I'm your host David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.